Live from South Florida, the Brian Mudd Show starts right now. Now, now. News Radio 610 WIOD. Given the clinical profile so far of Omicron, there's not justifiable to let fear overwhelm you. Do not let the fear overcome you for sure, right? Especially since we were just talking with University of South Florida's Dr. Yunash about a half hour ago. The peak is behind us. That still doesn't mean you want to run out there and go get the virus today because the peak is behind us. But, yeah, I mean, it really does look encouraging at this point, and as Dr. Yunash was saying, yeah, it looks like this thing could be endemic. Looks like this might be the, the last strain that uh, even the researchers want to attach that P word to and keep it in pandemic territory before we let this thing go and, and go to endemic. And I, this has been something that's been on my radar. I've talked about the pandemic of, politi- of politicians because somewhere along the way, you've got to let it go. And the question is, who will? Now, obviously, in terms of the approach, we've seen the vast differences living here in the free state of Florida during the course of the pandemic, as opposed to places that are are still in yeah, whatever you want to call it. I mean, just nutso land. Uh, you know, you take a look what goes on in New York City or parts of California and just whatever. It was funny, though, uh, you know, listening to uh, to Biden yesterday talk about how it's a real priority to keep the schools open and everything. Yeah, I remember when you were threatening the state of Florida over our effort to keep the schools open. So just but anyway, in the grand scheme of things, he said that was benign compared to uh, his, his other incompetence. But nevertheless, let's talk about what we got going on here in our state. Joining us, Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez. Good to talk to you. How are you? Good morning, Brian. Happy New Year. It's been a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, you remember this, right, how President Biden was so supportive of Florida really working to keep our schools open, right? Well, I mean, I think (laughs) if you look at the entirety of his presidency, he's tried to keep everything shut down, from businesses to the cruise industry to our schools. Uh, I think he would love it if Florida would just secede and go away. Yes. Um, Unfortunately for him, he can't make us go away. But then again, if you were to take a look (laughs) at the states that actually approve of him right now, he would be left with four, but four, and uh, they not even his home state of Delaware. Uh, so anyway, um, but I digress. Yesterday, I, I thought this was interesting. I want to get your, your thoughts on the governor's map. So we're in redistricting, obviously. Today's a big day on uh, votes in the Senate on, uh, on maps that have been advanced in, in committee. Governor DeSantis, his council over the weekend produced a map congressional map for the legislature and it was the most aggressive from a uh, political analysis standpoint in which there would be 18 districts that were won by trump in 2020 uh that uh, were, were on his map compared to 16 for the incarnations advanced by the senate previously the senate and committee yesterday ignored the governor's map and moved on with one of their own your thoughts Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the legislature is conducting their business and they will continue to go through the process. Uh, The Senate moved on and and they didn't take the governor's recommended map um, into consideration. Uh, We'll see what the House does. But, you know, the governor stands behind that map. And and what we did, I think, you know, some people view it as uh, bombastic and some people view it as a partisan attempt to to gerrymander. Well, I would say quite the opposite. Um, If you look at it, just... 
take away all the numbers that all the political analysts love to look at in terms of, you know, what way does the district swing? If you look at it and you look in particular at the congressional district that that currently exists, which is um, uh, Congressman Lawson, you look at the compactness. That district absolutely um, complies with federal law. It absolutely complies with the Constitution. It absolutely does not gerrymander, which it currently does. And so, you know, the governor, um, obviously, he is the, the type of governor that likes to lead. Uh, he is not consent, he is not content to just kind of be in the, in the backdrop. Uh, but be, be that as it may, we'll see how this plays out. We went from what the benchmark was in the current districts having, uh, you know, three Hispanic seats. That number grows. We knew that we were getting an additional seat, likely in that Orlando area that has had some explosive population growth. Uh, so we, we feel strongly that the, the map is compact, it's contiguous, we reduce the number of county splits. Um, this is all kind of uh, technical, I'm sure the average person listening doesn't, you know, really want to know all the ins and outs about redistricting and how you are required to comply with all these different um, benchmarks and measures, but compactness, contiguousness, not drawing a district to favor or disfavor an incumbent. Um, these are all things that, that come into play, and it has been very clear, both by, by case law as well as um, the, the laws that exist on the books. You cannot use race as a uh, determining factor in how you draw a district. So all these things will play out in the next couple of months, and we'll see what they actually come up with in terms of congressional maps. Scattered, covered, and smothered are things at Waffle House. And what I personally recommend if you do the hash browns, uh, stacking and cracking are things when it comes to redistricting under uh, the uh, Federal Voting Rights Act. And what the lieutenant governor was describing in particular is perhaps Lawson's district has been stacked. And if you do want some explanation on that, I uh, covered this in a Q&A, um, minus Waffle House reference, a couple of days ago. You can go check it out, com. Okay, so beyond that, we take a look at what's happening in the state legislative session. It's obvious that the pro-life legislation is, is key. It's moved in committees in both the Senate and the House. Uh, the move to 15 weeks your your thoughts? Do you think this is going to pass? Looks like the governor's already indicated he would sign pro-life legislation if it makes its way through the legislature. Yeah, I do. I think there's a good chance that it will make its way through and pass. Obviously, a bill of this nature is going to have some considerable debate, both in the House and the Senate. Um, but I do see a renewed interest, not only because of sort of where the Supreme Court is and what implications that may have for states, um, but it has been a topic that has sort of been bubbling to the, the, the top. Um, and for the last couple of years, they haven't gotten it across the finish line. So I think the sponsor herself has been very committed. This has been a, a priority piece of legislation for her throughout her time in the House. Uh, so I do think it has a good chance of reducing that from 24 to 15. The governor has indicated he would be comfortable, you know, obviously recognizing the challenges of passing legislation like this. Um, he is willing to be flexible and let the legislature do what they do. And if it's 15, it's 15. If it's 16, if it's 13, um, he's indicated that he would be comfortable in, in any of those p- potential scenarios. Something the governor proposed last fall that at, at first blush, I, I, I took a I took a pause with, you know, I, I'm not naturally one who's going to hear about, you know, a new government agency and, and run out there and say, yes, let's go ahead and do this. I wanted to see the evidence as to why it was necessary. And specifically, I'm referencing 
uh, the creation of a division, a, a government agency, to uh, to investigate voter fraud. And upon further investigation, and with the assistance of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, found out that, holy cow, we've got some real meaningful issues that have never even been pursued in our state. So the Public Interest Legal Foundation found that there are currently 156 pending voter fraud cases in Florida referred, officially referred to prosecutors that have not been followed up on. That includes 42 in Miami-Dade, 78 in Broward, 12 in Palm Beach County. I have not been able to get any of the prosecutors to even get back to me as to why these have not been reviewed. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, your thoughts about the state uh, prosecutors not doing their job and, and seeing these cases through. Yeah, and, and Brian, I think you're right. I think, obviously, we are not uh, the type of administration that wants to sort of grow government and create new agencies and, um, you know, saddle Floridian taxpayers with additional burdens as it relates to, um, you know, bigger government. But when you talk about something as sacred as an election, public trust in the integrity of our elections has to be at the cornerstone. It is foundational to our democracy and not prosecuting and not allocating sufficient energy, time, resources to deter fraud and ensure that our election laws are enforced and that elections are free and fair and and they have the utmost level of integrity. I think that that is probably one of our most important responsibilities as we go into an election year. And so, you know, again, the the other side loves to conflate this and make this seem like, oh, you know, DeSantis is trying to suppress the vote yet again. I mean, they love that. That's their favorite talking point. Uh, but but well, but you're correct. I mean, we know. I know. I You know, I get calls all the time. Um, oh, I got two ballots, same name, same, you know, voter ID, and they're sending me two ballots to my home just this past election. So when you call and you report these things and you ask them, you know, what what comes of it, to your point, nothing. And so this is an opportunity for us to dedicate resources, to investigate, and then ultimately prosecute those that do not follow our laws. We know very well in South Florida there is a cottage industry of individuals that love to create this system of ballot harvesting. It has no place in Florida. It has no place in free and fair elections. And so we, we want to make sure that we're going after those that defraud the public. Um, and that, I think, is probably something that we're going to hear a lot more about in the coming weeks as the left loves to, uh, you know, shout from the rooftops, Jim Crow 2.0, anytime you try to ensure the integrity of an election. I mean, Biden's speech in Atlanta was just an embarrassment. It is, um, you know, clearly an attempt to deflect from his abysmal poll numbers, his abysmal policies, and we're just going to continue pushing forward to make sure Florida's elections are always free and they're always fair. What do you mean? You didn't listen to the guy yesterday? He said he's exceeded all of our expectations. <laughs> well, that's because everyone has had to lower their expectations. Uh, I just don't know how we can say with a straight face that there's not been a president that's accomplished more in, in a year than him. I mean, talk about original. I can't lower my expectations far enough for that guy to trip over them. It just... <laughs> <laughs> They were already, like, rock bottom, and somehow or another he managed to screw that up. Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez, always a pleasure. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, Brian. Likewise. All right. Well, I have uh, Natalie, the trending story up next here at the Brian Mudd Show. He's ready to go 610 WIO.